As we develop our practice of metta, loving kindness, one of the things I've always appreciated about this practice is um, learning how to develop skillful means, supportive attitudes and creative ways to do this practice, just as we developed with the Anapanasati, these skillful means as a way of inviting the attention to rest just with the simple object of the breath in the same way with this more complex uh, object of meditation of metta we can develop um, another set a similar set of skillful means and what's interesting about the metta is it uh, as one of some of these skillful means can invite the wise use of vitaka and vichara that i spoke about with the breath meditation more as just this aiming and sustaining this kind of energetic connection to the breath. But I think I mentioned that these words literally mean applied thought and sustained thought. They have something to do with the mental capacity of the mind to think. But it's not papancha thinking. It's not discursive thinking. It's thinking about the meditation And in this same way, we can use wise reflection within the context of metta to grow our understanding. And learning how to do that in a skillful way, so it's not discursive thinking, but actually inviting us deeper into the experience of metta can be very helpful. And that can begin just with our understanding, again, on a felt sense, not just a conceptual level of what metta means. We usually translate it as loving kindness, which I I quite like. But as soon as you put the word love in a sentence or in in a definition, for most of us it brings up certainly many ideas and usually ideals about what that should look like. And it can feel kind of lofty or... um, uh, perhaps unattainable, that we should always be loving, always be in this state of of sort of semi-bliss if we're really practicing or experiencing metta. I think the simplest definitions of metta are more like friendliness or goodwill or benevolence. There's just a basic warm acceptance of ourselves, of others, of our experience, of the world, really. And that, I think, speaks more to the heart of what this practice is. As I said, it's the opposite or the lack of ill will. And sometimes defining something uh, in its negative can seem a little uh, low bar, but if there's a lack of ill will, there's almost inevitably some seed of goodwill, some possibility of goodwill. And I think starting from that kind of understanding, and again from a felt sense, if we have some idea that when we're practicing metta, everything should be glowing and bright and expansive, I don't know about you, but I would feel like a failure a lot of the time. So I have a really low bar for what, um, uh, what I have for, in what I have for my metta practice. And it's basically a lack of ill will, so not actively ill will. And then I just keep saying the phrases. It doesn't have to be a lot of feeling or emotion. 
with it. But there's a basic, again, sort of warm acceptance. And I can mean really lukewarm, not, you know, warm the hands by the fire warm, but just that it's, it's, it's there, it's, it's subtle. But just that willingness to keep filling the mind and heart with these phrases of well-wishing, that's such a positive thing to do and goes counter to the usual train of the mind of criticism and judging and not quite like this and if only they would do that and a little bit warmer or a little bit cooler or whatever way the mind tends to go. So just that. Willingness to be open to yourself or the other, whoever you're directing the metta to. Little warm curiosity. Hope you're okay. Hope things are good for you. Very simple. Then from that we can build. But for me, that's more sustainable. You know, as we do this practice where we want to be doing it morning, noon, and night, it has to be sustainable. Just like I said with the breath, if you try and force the attention onto the breath, it, it, it can't stay there for an extended period. will always collapse at some point. So find for yourself your felt experience of what your baseline metta is, what it means for you as something that's accessible, and then what your baseline practice is, and then establish that. And then it will go through its fluctuations of perhaps more openness and warmth and love or kindness or whatever, and times of challenge. But we can always come back to that, hopefully with more ease than if we have some ideal that we should be meeting with the metta practice. And we're beginning in these first few days of turning to this practice with what we call the easy category. Again, as I said the other night, or some point, other morning perhaps, you know, traditionally self was considered the easiest, but for many of us, that's not necessarily the doorway in. So we really want to make it again accessible. If you have a benefactor relationship, great. That can often be an easy doorway. But for many people, they don't have a strong relationship in that category. And that in and of itself can feel like a failure. So we don't want to, you know, say that that, you know, self, oh, that's difficult, benefactor, no, I don't have one. And you're kind of struggling right at the beginning of the practice. So finding where it's easy. So that's why, as I say, we use this category of friend and we also expand the definition of benefactor. I think Guy said to include pets or children, some being that that just brings that quality of love. So in your own practice, as you're doing it um, outside of these guided sessions, just really to trust that, to start where it's easy. When we do the guided, because we have to choose something, I will start with metta for self, but when you're doing it on your own, know that you can find your doorway in. That's the most important thing. But always valuable, as Guy was saying, to do some metta for self, whether it's at the beginning of a period or the end or in the middle, it doesn't matter, but that we do some time for ourselves. And if you choose to do a lot of time for yourself, and as Guy was saying, can be so helpful and healing and stabilizing. Um, I think it's also valuable to choose some time for someone else. It just kind of broadens the field a little bit. 
and then we have this sense more of the relational field of metta. But that's part of the creativity of the practice is how do you structure your practice time? This is, you know, the vitaka and vichara of just reflecting on, again, not just what feels good, but what feels supportive for this deep intention that we have to develop kindness and well-wishing towards ourselves and to others. So it's always an exploration, developing our intuition, developing confidence and trust, and then just doing it. That's the most important thing. If we try to make it too perfect, too, you know, by the book, we lose the heart of the practice. So trust your basic intuition and then just do it. That's the basic instruction. So again, these lovely instructions to begin the practice of sitting comfortably and starting where it's easy. It's sort of funny we have to be reminded of that, but we sometimes do. And then there's a kind of structure or scaffolding that we can begin, we can build the metta on. And for me, it always begins with just sensing the body sitting. This invitation to relax, be comfortable, again, as a way of being kind to the body, to the mind and heart. So this is where the practice is very similar to what we were teaching with the breath meditation. Just sitting, feeling the body, relaxing on the surface, the skin and the muscles, around the face, the chest or abdomen. But relaxing deeply. We relax our minds a little bit or our hearts. More of a attitude of trust, seeing if that first metta wish for safety can be felt right here sitting in this hall, relatively safe, relatively protected. So we breathe into that feeling right here for ourselves. Appreciate that we have that blessing right now of safety. And I'll begin with metta for self, but as I said, when you're on your own, starting where it's easy for you. But always with these, again, this scaffolding or structure, if it's helpful. So for metta for self, a sense of yourself sitting here, this physical life of the body, but also including the state of the heart. 
the energy that's present. Sometimes there's a busyness in the morning, the whole routine of getting up and bathroom and perhaps meditation and breakfast and work meditations. And then finally to sit. You can feel that energy and allow it just to move. You don't have to stop it or suppress it. Just know this life of the body. We tune into whatever's present for us. And for some people, just that sense of the body sitting, perhaps accompanied by a visual image of yourself, is how you direct the metta. For other people, an image or sense of yourself in some other time or place, at home, in your garden, or walking out in nature, with dear friends or family, just a time or place where you feel safe and protected, happy, healthy, and at ease. So you can use your visual imagination to create that as a way you direct metta to yourself. For some people, it's an image or sense of themselves as a young child, quite small perhaps, five or ten years old, teenager, at a time when you had a lot of joy in your life, that sense of freedom and innocence, or perhaps at a time when you needed love and it wasn't so available. And we can now offer that to this young child, young version of ourselves. So again, this is the creativity of the metta. What really helps you connect with a sense of yourself. To be really able to wish yourself well. As you establish that connection with yourself, however it works for you, perhaps resting your attention in the center of the chest, heart center, and letting the phrases of well-wishing come from there towards yourself, very simply wishing yourself well. May I be safe and protected from inner and outer harm. May I be happy, joyful, and contented. May I be healthy, strong, capable, Resilient. May I have ease of well-being. There were some longer phrases. Sometimes that gives more meaning. Sometimes we use the very short phrase, may I be safe, 
or just one word, safe, happy, healthy ease. Again, seeing what works for you. You find the mind has tightness around the metta for self, doesn't flow easily, or there's a sense of judgment, limitation. Sometimes we can just use this one simple phrase, may I love and accept myself just as I am. This wholehearted openness to the fullness of our experience with its difficulties and its blessings. And you can use that phrase if it's helpful for you. May I love and accept myself just as I am. Just being willing to say it is a profound gesture of acceptance and kindness. After some time of practicing metta for yourself, when or if you feel ready at your own timing, can move to one of the other categories, benefactor or friend. Again, taking the time to establish the connection, a feeling of caring or warmth, and then offering the phrases to this other person or being. Whenever you feel ready.
So as I said, I think it's helpful for you over these days of practice to explore and come to know really on this felt sense level the different flavors of metta, not to have someone idea or especially ideal about what metta is or should feel like. And the reason we have metta as our foundation practice, as we've said, is that it so easily um, can incline towards the others of the Brahma-viharas. If it meets suffering, it brings a sense of warmth and kindness to that, but doesn't suffer itself. When it meets uh, joy, it can respond to that with happiness, but doesn't get over-elated or exuberant. And especially this quality of equanimity. I think that truly is at the heart of what makes, uh, can support metta being um, resilient and accessible and responsive and available, is it knows that for every being, every life, there's this mix of joy and sorrow um, and finds that balance and steadiness that can meet that experience wherever it is and just say yes or okay or express warmth or kindness. So just exploring that for yourself. Um, I love that in the sutta that we're chanting in the evening, it gives us our instructions for practice. Freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. That's what we're invited to do. And so the implication there is as soon as you wake up in the morning until you go to bed at night, sustaining this recollection of the metta wishes. What I do for myself in the informal periods is keep the metta really simple. I just do it for myself and I just keep the phrases going. I don't even try to do much of the other aspects, you know, feel into the heart center or visual image or align it with the breathing or anything like that. Just keep the phrases going, simply for myself. And it's a little bit like a mantra, but mantras are very powerful and effective concentration practices. But it's a a mantra or they're phrases that have this meaning. And the more you attuned yourself to the meaning of the words, the more that flavor, just in a really simple way, can continue to be cultivated, even as you're in the meal times or the bathroom, your work meditation or whatever. So keeping it really simple in the informal times, that's what I do anyway. Um, And then the formal practice, again, walking, um, the seated practice, doing standing meditation, again, can just as uh, easily do metta in the standing, and to do some lying down. It's great practice to do uh, at the end of the day as you're resting your weary head on the pillow or taking a rest after lunch to just do some very gentle metta, especially for yourself, can be really helpful. So exploring all these different flavors and and, uh, having this felt sense that gets more and more embodied the, the longer we stay with this practice. Okay, any questions this morning about your practice?
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.